This is Property Today on the Agenda. With Morass and Dubai Properties. For the most extensive real estate portfolio in Dubai, choose Morass and Dubai Properties. Hello there and thank you for downloading this Property Today podcast from the 14th of November. As ever on the programme today, I was joined by Mohanad Alwadir, the famous wolf of real estate, and he took your questions on everything from the best way to hire an architect to the most luxurious development in Dubai. But we also had not one but two exclusive interviews because rumour has it that the luxury developer Omniat intends to launch a new project in Dubai over the next few days. So we caught up with Mahdi Amjad, the founder and executive chairman of that company, and he told us what he thinks of architecture in the UAE and what he's learnt from the ups and downs of the financial crisis and COVID-19. Plus, we also spoke to Christos Passas. He's the director of Zaha Hadid Architects and the man behind the Opus building in Business Bay. He told us all about how he's continuing the legacy of good design after the death of star architect Zaha Hadid. This is Property Today on the Agenda. With Morass and Dubai Properties. For the most extensive real estate portfolio in Dubai, choose Morass and Dubai Properties. Welcome to Property Today and welcome to Mohanad Alwadir, who has very kindly joined me in the studio once again. How are you? I'm very good. How are you doing, Georgia? I am very well. It's, I thought, you know, I already feel like the week has got off to a sort of start. It's a bit like a sort of sprint already. S- since the weekend, right? Since the weekend, yes started yeah. last night yeah. because there was this amazing event that I went to at the Opus Hotel and I got to meet to lots of people who were involved in design and architecture and developers and amazing it was genuinely fascinating I, I do you, you know I suddenly realized I missed a trick I should have asked you to come but no, you would be too okay. busy wouldn't you yeah I'm actually this week we're finishing wrapping up the shoot of season six of uh, Myanmar on Dubai TV so I'm very busy, but very excited to get over with this season. Yeah. And, and then, then I'm planning to take a short break. Then we start working on the next season. <laughs> so you, when you say a short break, what you really mean is you're just going to be able to focus on your PhD exactly. a little bit more. Yes, you're I, not actually I, chilling. I'm supposed to finish. You know, I finished all my courses for people who are interested to do their uh, DBA or uh, PhD. You have to finish your courses first. So I finished all my courses, five courses. Each one of them took almost uh, four to five months. So I'm done with that. And now I'm starting with my dissertation, uh, which should take me like a year. If I focus on it, I can finish it earlier. But let's see. Depends on the research and how it goes. So this is the man who is offering completely free advice. He's nearly got his PhD. And all you need to do is send in a text to 4001 or you can WhatsApp 0487155500. Any question at all that you might have about property, about buying, renting, Issues with your landlord, in, yes. you know, interior design advice. Everything real estate. <laughs> yeah, everything real estate focus. And certainly uh, this week we are putting the, fo- the sort of the major theme. We like to do a theme each week. And yep. this theme we are doing uh, a bit more of a focus on design and the importance of design. Right. And that was slightly uh, precipitated by the fact that there was this event that happened last night uh, in the Opus building in Business Bay, uh, where I managed to uh, get two exclusive interviews. Um, one of them was with uh, Mahdi Amjad, who's the founder and executive chairman of, of the luxury developers Omniat. Yep. Uh, and then the other chap I got to speak to was Christos Passas, who's the director of Zaha Hadid Architects. Mm. Now, obviously, Zaha Hadid, one of the world's most famous architects. Is she one of your favorites? Yes, I actually had the pleasure of working with her on two projects in my career. And uh, she is renowned to be the queen of the curves because she used to uh, get inspired by organic designs from nature and all her. uh, She did almost a thousand projects, uh, Georgia, and she left uh, 
everybody is so impressed with every single project. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm She's very excited to hear the interview. And uh, yes. I, I think it's, uh, I'm glad that we picked this as a theme because it's very important for people to also understand how they can pick the right design or the right architecture firm or consultant to help them in getting the right outcomes from their projects, uh, be it a residential, office or retail? I think it is very difficult. Oddly enough, my sister at the moment is trying to put an extension on her house. You know, yeah. a very simple, small extension. S- sounds simple. <laughs> my goodness me, trying to, um, she's found even the lexicon, even the words that she doesn't seem to be able to even commission an architect to do what she wants. She, yeah. There seems to be a lack of communication between them, even at that level. She should listen to this today's uh, episode because at the end, I'm going to give a few uh, tips for anybody who wants to do anything related to designing a real estate. So very useful, practical tips that I've gathered over the last 20 plus years on how to work with architects and get the best out of them. Amazing. Well, yes, she will definitely have to download the podcast. And worth mentioning that, of course, all the episodes that we do here on Property Today, it is all podcasts. You can find it on DubaiEye1038.com. Just look for Property Today and you will see them all there, all very nicely labelled. Uh, right, let's have a look at the headlines uh, that have been basically making news over the last few days. Uh, essentially, this top one is that it appears that uh, the real estate sector really is set to benefit from the new golden visa reforms. Uh, So the whole new range of new visa options were announced uh, earlier this year uh, with the principal aim of of boosting the number of people who are looking to call the UAE home. Is that something, you know, often when these visas are announced, it takes a little bit of time for, you know, trickle down, you know, people have to come here and then they rent and then they're like, actually, I'd like to buy. Do you think we're already seeing the effects of those visas? Absolutely. We've seen it since it started. And then, uh, the UAE, as always, came up with a revision to reduce the cap or the ceiling for the actual investment. So now it starts from 750,000 dirhams. And for the golden visa, it's 2 million dirhams. Even if it's not, they added a small you know, uh, uh, condition, which is even if it's not ready, if it's, even if it's still off plan, you still qualify for the golden That's visa. That's interesting. Because so everyone's buying off plan now because there's nothing correct. left. So, so we immediately started feeling you know, people calling in. Uh, then they came on October 3rd and they came up with a lot of other options uh, to attract different categories. So it's not just the wealthy, it's also the talented, it's also professionals. So it's really building a very healthy population uh, in Dubai and the UAE, which is fantastic. It's getting very competitive <laughs> in the housing market now. It's difficult to find a property that you want, certainly uh, villas. Are- I, I agree, but there are a lot of interesting options coming up. Just to that effect, I would love to let everybody know that there will be a fantastic launch on the 24th for Villa Nova, one of the most, uh, one of the communities I really love for Dubai properties. It's in Dubai land already. Uh, established people are living there they're loving it and they're just launching a new phase i think this would be the last phase coming up from them so i encourage everybody listening definitely go check it out they have three and four uh, bedroom townhouse villas starting from 1.75 approximately it's a beautiful community definitely recommend it to anybody who wants to either live and they're looking for a small you know villa uh, or if they're interested for investment because the demand on villas is remarkably high right now in this year and even in the future, I would say. Yeah, we're still seeing that post-COVID effect. And obviously, if people are going to be staying in Dubai and the UAE longer, then they're more likely to have families here. So they're going to need slightly bigger properties. Okay, let's take a look at another story that caught my eye, which is that uh, real estate experts say that crypto payments for property in the UAE increased by 300% this year. No doubt, 
people wanting to make turn their crypto cryptocurrency into something a little bit more solid and reliable yeah, I, i'm inter- like it's very interesting that you're bringing this up today especially yeah. with what's happening now with uh, all the crypto currencies around the world the crypto it's, chaos yeah it's it's it, that's the right word it's yeah. very chaotic right now some people see it as an opportunity some see it as the uh, beginning of the end of the <laughs> crypto world i really hope uh, it's not the beginning of the I, end because we've we put something into it and now obviously we're regretting it but no you, felt- you shouldn't but if, you, if you're in it for the long term you yeah. shouldn't i think i personally think it's, it's gonna stay for the long term but um overall uh, the uae again was very smart they introduced uh regular like regulations to uh, make sure that whoever is you know dealing with cryptocurrency they're being um like they have a, a solid legal ground uh, mm. um, uh, framework to work mm. with. And I think the real estate sector will benefit from it, especially that now we're getting a lot of influx from countries with uh, people trying to or suffering from currency exchange rates or trying to work with banks. Uh, some countries are not able to even transfer funds. I had very interesting chats with people from India, China, Egypt, where they're not able because of their regulations to transfer money easily from their countries to invest I think crypto would be the option. And especially if we have the right uh, regulations here, it will make things smoother. I'm not surprised that it increased by 300% because I know a lot of uh, you know troubled uh, destinations around the world. People are trying to migrate and come to a safe haven. And that's what Dubai is representing. So they're trying to transfer their money using crypto. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna, the trend is going to continue. And um, uh, I just hope that things are regulated properly so people can, you know, it, it will be a win-win situation without affecting the economy and the safety of uh, Dubai. Yeah, there's a definite feel that um, that you have to... There's a lot of money laundering regulations that have been introduced literally in the last Correct. 12 months, which yes. which changed the, the landscape somewhat. Yeah, the uh, Ministry of Economy introduced the uh, authority in charge of uh, monitoring anti-money laundry. They've been extremely active looking at all the key sectors, including real estate, uh, a lot of regulations have been put in place. Um, I had a very interesting chat uh, uh, this week, uh, last week, sorry, earlier last week with the Wayland Department officials. And they're also on board. They're coming up with a lot of um, uh, regulations, guidelines, trainings uh, to help everybody working here to make Dubai uh, a safer uh, city from an investment point of view, from an economical point of view, which is for the long run. It's interesting and very good and very positive because it will attract more funds to come in because mm. it's not just safe to live here. It's also safe to invest and, mm. you know, uh, build businesses and uh, interact with the whole global markets. Yeah, you hear people grumbling a bit that it's slowing down deals, but ultimately yeah. it's it's for the best. It's definitely for the best because yeah. it's going to make it more attractive for institutional funds and institutional investors, which is the big money. And yeah. these countries, uh, these investors, sorry, Typically, they don't enter any market if it's flagged as, you know, not safe, especially yeah. from a uh, regulation point of view, from anti-money laundry, from corruption point of view. And we're blessed here. They're actually working very hard on building this robust foundation to attract foreign direct investment. This is Property Today on the Agenda. With Morass and Dubai Properties. For the most extensive real estate portfolio in Dubai, choose Morass and Dubai Properties. Now, Mohanid, I love having you here because rumour has it the luxury developer Omniat is intending to launch a new project in Dubai in the next few days. Actually, I think this is true. I was just telling you off air that I met their uh, 
chairman at Dubai Land Department during my visit and I think he was up to something. Yes, sure. <laughs> well, they definitely get that vibe. Now, I was lucky enough to get hold of uh, Madi Amjad last yes. night at this event. Yes. He's the founder and executive chairman of the luxury developer Omniat. And he basically told me what he thinks about architecture in the UAE and what he's learned from the ups and downs of the financial crisis and COVID-19. Now, the reason why he was there, we were in Opus, which is the new building. Um, well, not that new anymore, but it's in Business Bay. It was designed by Zaha Hadid, who's mm-hmm. one of the world's most famous sort of architects. You know, she's up there uh, as, I, I suppose, with Norman Foster and, and several other, Philippe Stark, maybe, individual, <laughs> like really key designers. Yes. And I started by asking Madi how the story of Omniat first started. I cannot take all the credit for the vision of this plot because I actually never intended to appoint Zaha Hadid for this building. I worked with the Zaha Hadid architecture firm for a much smaller project. And uh, that was not successful to meet every criteria of budget slash value slash architecture creation. So we called it a day and it was it. And uh, we ran a competition for this mega project. And I received a call from the Zaha Hadid architecture office to say we would like to compete. I was against it. I was more worried that the Zaha will be more towards the artistic side, and it will not meet the art efficiency and the challenge of financials. But out of courtesy, I said, there's no harm. And that's how the journey began. Uh, and for us, it was a philosophy. The design was a philosophy. Creating these type of architecture was a fundamental philosophy. So we took a lot of energy and time to actually make sure that these projects are as commercially successful as they are phenomenal experiences and today I can tell you Opus has been one of our most successful projects not only from an architecture and a neighborhood and really helping the landscape but also was a very commercially successful transaction. So that is very interesting because of course it opened at quite a tricky time. Were you ever uncertain? Were you ever nervous at that stage when the building opened? Because I actually came to one of the restaurant openings and I think it was the day before the city locked down. That's how close <laughs> it got. Yeah, it's definitely uh, Opus had its own share of challenges at different times. We have seen 2008 and 9 financial meltdown in the middle of the Opus construction journey. We have seen challenges with contractors and subcontractors. And we have seen the timing of COVID. So, yeah, I can tell you we've seen it all. <laughs> but I can say that we have managed to maximize the value that we create through every opportunity. So the pause of eight and nine, we actually went back and redesigned it. This was never supposed to be a hotel. This was project was designed to be just retail and an offices. So when we took the pause of 2009 and 10, we went back to the drawing board and redesigned the whole of Opus with Zaha Hadid uh, office. So the top three floors is now residences, which was never the case. It was offices. And the base of the building is a hotel, which was never the case. So we have always seen every challenge is an opportunity if it's handled well. And we have, as you say, seen now seen the success of the building, despite, one might argue, the odds. And therefore, you are now in a position to continue the growth of Omniat. Are there other projects that you're looking to at the moment? As Omniat, of course, we continued the journey with what we, I learned from Zaha and what Zaha Architecture Team, which was actually my first designer-driven large project. But we never stopped. So we continued the journey. As you know, uh, we have done the project One Palm, and that's been a phenomenal success. That was a project we visualized 10 years ago, back in 2012. 
And then after that, in 2016, uh, we visualized the project, uh, the Dorchester downtown area, the Dorchester collection, hotel and residences, which is due to be in, uh, in Q1. All of these are very unique architecture. They challenge the norm. Every experience that I have received in the journey of Opus was extremely useful and handful in creating the next two monument of Omniat. But the journey has just begun for us, so we will be announcing more series of more projects uh, in the next 18 months. One is actually scheduled in uh, one week time, so we will make sure that we'll invite you on the 24th of November. And from there on, we will continue to have a series of very unique, exceptionally designed buildings with some of the world-famous designers. So it really did change your perspective on how you look at the design of your buildings, to, to stretch your, yourself even. Very much so. I mean, the school of Zaha Hadid that uh, I had spent 10 years learning in has truly elevated my perspective of design and what design can do to an experience of individuals within it, which accordingly will create a by far uh, elevated uh, value for the consumers, for the investors alike, and for the neighborhood and the destination. Is it difficult to do that as a developer? Because does it ultimately often mean it's more expensive? You know, because good design costs money. I can only tell you it's extremely difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I like your honesty. <laughs> no, it's definitely it's extremely difficult, but that's what makes it special. If it was easy, then it would have not been special. I think in the past, quite a lot of people have suggested that maybe Dubai doesn't have very many standout buildings. Now, that has started to change. Museum of the Future, we're, we're sitting in Opus, beautiful building. Would you suggest that Dubai is going through an evolution when it comes to the quality of its architecture? I disagree. I've learned my aspiration for design and I've learned my quest for creating these special buildings from the city. I was mesmerized by Emirates Towers, by Burj Al Arab, uh, by Jumeirah Beach Hotel. As I was a young adult in the city uh, growing up, and that was my quest to create these special architecture experiences. That was what drove me. These special buildings of Dubai is what drove me to search for architects and designers like Zaha Hadid and spend my energy and time to convince them it's a good idea to work for this uh, startup developer and then take the journey from there. So, yes, like every city that is growing, you have different type of architectures and you have different type. You cannot make them all Burj Arab. Uh, uh, you cater to different client base and you cater to different customer base. But the city of Dubai has some of the best architectures uh, like Burj Khalifa and Burj Al Arab that is, uh, I'm very proud of. And I, would, I hope that I can continue to uh, contribute to the beautiful skyline of the city. Here we go. That was Mahdi Amjad, the founder and executive chairman of Omniat, uh, answering all our tricky questions, uh, including whether or not he thinks the architecture uh, in Dubai has improved. What do you think, Mohanad Alwadia, Wolf of Real Estate? I think definitely Dubai um, is not just a city with the tallest uh, towers and the most impressive infrastructure. It's really a city of innovation. And we can see that in the architecture. And I just want to say one more thing. I would like to quote uh, Steve Jobs. He once said that design is not just what it looks like and feels like. Design is how it works. So I always say to architects, please make sure you build beautiful yet purposeful and well, you know, efficient and well operated, like operated um, uh, structures. Because 
it's it and it, it's all about how people use these buildings mm. and the experience they get out of it. And this is the gist of it. Omniat is doing a good job with that. Most of the developers here actually uh, in Dubai, I've noticed, they build buildings that are purposeful. They actually serve a purpose and people enjoy living in them. This is Property Today on the Agenda. With Morass and Dubai Properties. For the most extensive real estate portfolio in Dubai, choose Morass and Dubai Properties. We are discussing the impact that design has on not just a building, but also the surroundings and, and the people that end up living in that building. Basically, the importance of top architecture. Now, Mohanad Alwadia, you work on projects right from there very inception to when they've been finished. (laughs) So you've commissioned architects. Of course, yes. Part of what I've done in my career for over 20 years is I've had the pleasure of working uh, on projects from what we call not even A, before A to Z. (laughs) So being like acquiring uh, the right uh, land, uh, developing the right due diligence and feasibility studies, then going through all all the stages of design. It's a whole process. Uh, People just think it's just a press of a button, you get the designs. No, there's like from initial to concept to schematic to detailed design, and there's a lot of work uh, that's involved with a lot of relevant authorities, a lot of stakeholders involved um, from the early stages. And then... Then you start commissioning the uh, the contractor after you have your final designs, and contractors also come in and have a say because I've uh, I've realized that a lot of architects are dreamers. They love to come up with beautiful, you know, award-winning designs. So that's where they get the reality shock when the contractors come in and they start telling them, "Listen, this is very good, but we can do it better," you know, and, interesting and in a more realistic way. Um, and I've always seen that clash happening at that moment. And then they start the actual construction. So I've been through that whole process of tendering for construction, project management. Then when the project is complete, we work on the handover, the inspection, the working with the authorities. A lot of things, by the way, change throughout the construction because of changes in uh, regulations or even infrastructure around the projects. Sometimes uh, they change. Uh, as we heard in the previous interview, even uh, um, like um, political or economical situations could change the vision of the project because of a crisis or something. Um, so a lot of things change. And then uh, when it's handed over, when we get the building completion certificate, we also work with uh, uh, with the right stakeholders on the defect and liability or the warranty period. We start marketing, renting uh, the projects. That's what we do. Then after many years at the right time, we exit from the project. And then I went again, took the funds and invested them again. So I, I, I would say I'm very fortunate that I had the experience to go through all of this. And I worked with the best in class. I worked with the likes of Zaha Hadid with, uh, and not just in projects in Dubai, all over the world. I once worked on 42 projects all over the world. Only one of them was in Dubai. <laughs> so this is why we have Mohanad Awadir on the radio to give you advice. So if you've got any questions for any single part of, uh, the, of the build, the rent, anything at all, yeah. get in touch with us now on 4001 and he will try and get through as many questions as possible. Now, last night, I actually spoke to one of these architects who would probably have to be reined in by the constructor Very exciting. and yeah, the developer. They're, they're, they're a star team that worked with Zaha Hadid, uh, very reputable, the most reputable and most renowned uh, architect, uh, I would say, in our modern uh, history. So very excited yeah, to hear oh, the it interview. Was a, it was a really <laughs> exciting, it was great to speak to him. He's called Christos Passas. He's the director of Zaha Hadid Architects. He's the man behind the Opus building in Business Bay. And uh, basically, I sat down and I said, you know, first question, you know, what is the design process when an architect is working alongside a developer on a massive project like the Opus building? This process of design is a process of co-creation. And in the beginning, of course, we put a lot of ideas out there. We test them with clients. We see what flies, what doesn't fly. We have a very good idea about what's happening in the world of cities and architecture. So we understand how to create something that's very distinctive. 
And we know, for example, that in Dubai there is a multiplicity of voices and architectural styles and sizes and shapes and forms of buildings. So it's a very busy environment. And we knew that with this particular project we had to go very, very simple. So the Opus is, is one of our simplest, formally speaking, buildings. It's a very binary building. It's a building that talks about contrast, about that and its opposite constantly. So whether it's darkness and light, whether it's presence and absence, whether it's solid and void, it plays that game all throughout. And that is what's exciting, what's engaging about the, the Opus, that it became a very, I don't like to overuse the word, iconic building but it does have that impact in the city, as we all see now. But it does that through that very simple binary thought, and uh, that was the success of it, I think. I mean, it really has become <coughs> the sort of fulcrum around which Business Bay has essentially grown. We have now, very sadly, obviously lost Sarah Hadid mm-hmm. herself. Did she leave a, a style guide, so to speak? <laughs> did, she, did she give you a sense of where she hoped the company would go after she had gone? Zaha is always in our mind. I must tell you that she is a friend and a mentor and an exceptional architect. I mean, the, the, the legacy that that woman left behind her in us, in the practice, in the way we develop a language for design is an idea that's going to be there for a long time, we believe. And that's why we work 12 hours a day and why we do what we do. So what she left us with can be summarized in, in a single sentence, which she also left in her will. And it goes a little bit like this experimentation must never end and that's the motto through which we we all work and of course there is lots of colleagues some of us have worked there for 25 30 35 years others are only starting their careers now but there is a common belief in that in that idea and our company now with that dna is not only a strong brand but it's also uh, commercially Uh, doing well, especially during the COVID period, we've managed to grow further. We're now about 600 strong, with architects from over 55 countries, with 55 languages inside the office, and, you know, a lot of of that cosmopolitanism is coming through in, uh, in the work. Now, I mean, we're talking a lot about the future. Let's let's look to future buildings. Do you think that we might see more Zaha Hadid designs here in Dubai, in the UAE? This is my fishing expedition. You can almost see my fishing rod. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your fishing rod. We've been speaking to people quite a lot, obviously, uh, uh, because of this trip. We, we can't forget that two years of COVID has put everybody... Uh, back behind screens and I think it's great to be here again to be speaking to people to see what everybody's up to we're very pleased to see Dubai booming it's a city we love absolutely adore for all that it's done over the past 15-20 years and we feel we've contributed to it somewhat I think the city has its own drive and energy and it's great to be part of this absolutely absolutely great so we hope to get some new commissions, some some big commissions. We want to bring some of what we can to uh, to keep improving this city. And uh, we're talking with, with Marty earlier. Um, Dubai has this notion that it, it grows and evolves and it grows and evolves and it grows and evolves. And that sort of continuous feedback and the improvement that the developers, the industry, the people, the whole setup here has proven to be very, very fruitful and successful and I think we we will see some more buildings from ZHA here in the future too. 
Do you look around and see empty sand lots and, and start thinking, well, that could go there, that could go there? I have a few in mind. <laughs> I have a Will few you in mind. One, you one, one, one is very nearby, but okay. uh, obviously these things need to go through uh, several conversations and eventually what will happen will happen. So looking at those future plots, I think there are a few still very interesting occasions and we try to be in the forefront of architecture and experimentation, but always with a very grounded sort of way of doing things. We've now matured enough and we know exactly where to place buildings and how to serve the, the object of architecture better. Christos Passas there, the director of Zaha Hadid Architects, essentially telling me uh, how you go about finding an iconic building, uh, or how you go about building an iconic building in the right plot. This is Property Today on the Agenda. With Morass and Dubai Properties. For the most extensive real estate portfolio in Dubai, choose Morass and Dubai Properties. Big focus on design this week. And lots of questions coming in for Mohanad Awadir, including this one from Lubna, who says, Good day, Mohanad We're in the process of designing our home in Dubai. What are the traps or mistakes that we must be careful about? Thank you for asking this, Lubna, because this is exactly what I want to talk about. I'll try to sum it up um, briefly. And if anybody has any questions, please feel free to send them as well. First and foremost, I would like you to focus on doing enough research. Check the area you're in, check your neighbors, check what are the development control regulations within the community that you have, because sometimes you would want to build something, but you're not allowed to do it if you follow the guidelines uh, imposed by the master developer. So make sure you uh, build your knowledge first. Second, develop a proper brief. I recommend that, you know, families, couples sit down and write down the brief, a proper brief before even approaching an architect. Make sure you have your wish list, what you really need, what you would love to have. And discuss this with your family as well, even your kids. Don't just do it by yourself because I've seen it over and over. Men designing it with their architects and then the wives come in and they have to do a lot of changes. Make sure you spend enough time. And also make sure that you take into consideration your requirements currently for now and also for the future. Because I've also seen a lot of families saying, oh, you know what? We built this house. Now our family has grown. We've shifted. We were doing a lot of changes in our family. So we need to uh, rework it. Third, set a clear budget and try to stick to it as much as you can. Uh, Don't cut corners with design. A lot of people try to do that in the design stage. And that creates a lot of issues when you go into construction. Hire a top-notch architect. Don't be cheap when it comes to architects. Uh, think of also the operational side, the usability of the of the uh, design, not just how it looks, but also how you're going to use it room by room, section by section. Um, make sure you have the right contractor. Manage your expectations because these things tend to always go out of scope. You, there are a lot of changes as you go. Finally, make sure you are hands-on. You follow up. You don't just leave it to the architect or a project manager. You need to be involved throughout the full process as the as the owner. And make sure you also have in your design harmony between all the aspects and all the rooms, internal and external as well. Because a lot of people just look at it room by room, but they don't think how it's connected, all of it, from the inside and the outside. So, I mean, you've designed <laughs> your own home. You just mentioned in the ad break that, that, that you designed your own home, which you now live in. Yeah. And I'm doing a lot of designs as well because I have um, like a, a holiday home uh, chain that I'm trying to build all over the world. So uh, I'm also involved regularly in buying properties, uh, redesigning them and labeling them and then, you know, furnishing them and then renting them. So I do this all the time. <laughs> Did you still find it difficult to do it for yourself, for your own home? 100%. Oh, really? It's, it's not for the faint hearted. And you need to know what you're doing. Uh, I've never seen anybody build a home and say it was so smooth and easy. Never. <laughs> 
So don't go into it unless you're... I mean, my husband and I both know we once tried to design a bookshelf in our home and it led to near divorce. And as a consequence, we will always move into a ready property. There well, will be no well, reworking. Well, I want to say to your husband, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. <laughs> that is how it works. I did win on the bookshelf, incidentally. It yeah, was down course, to my design, naturally. Uh, so we haven't got as, me- as much time as I'd like to, to, to give you all these questions that have come through. But what is lovely is that you will, you're happy to 100%. Answer. Send them across. I will make sure I answer them all by, one by one. I've been receiving amazing feedback when I send these messages. So I'm more than happy to keep doing it. He literally <laughs> sends you a personalized voice memo. So if you send a question in to 4001, Mohanad will answer it back uh, yeah. on, uh, and you, you get a personal voice message from yes. him. One last question. I'm going to get into trouble because it should be news now. Kamal says, what is the most luxurious project in Dubai, in his opinion, and why? From the top of my mind, very quickly, check out the very old but uh, renowned uh, Emirates Hills, also Dubai Hills. Uh, but definitely go check out uh, the Jumeirah Bay, the Bulgari residences, uh, Blue Waters and uh, the Palm. <laughs> OK, there you go. If you've got a big budget, Kamal, that's where you should be looking. Uh, it's, as ever, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Mohamed Awadia, for coming in. This, work, this week, we focused on design. If you missed some of the interviews, make sure you download the podcast. Just go and look for Property Today on DubaiEye1038.com.